Uh, if you'd like to stand while I read this long, lengthy text, you can. Uh, if you'd rather be seated, that's fine as well, okay? Here we go. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, as we work our way through the book of Thessalonians, it says, rejoice always, all right? That is the text, rejoice always. Let me pray for us. Father, I ask you to lead us through this text this morning. God, I pray that you would open our eyes to see um, the reason, the, the monumental uh, reasons for our joy. God, I pray that you would give us the ability to be sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, that you would give us the ability to rejoice in all circumstances. God, I pray that you would help us to probe deeply into the, to the layer of, uh, of endless joy that is you. Father, we ask that uh, today we might be obedient. God, make us obedient hearers of the word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. It's really awesome that uh, God is, is so concerned about your joy. Uh, I don't know if that grabs hold of you, uh, but that absolutely grabs hold of me. Uh, that, that delights me uh, that God would command us to be perseveringly, constantly, continually joyful, okay? Now, a lot of people can easily go wrong with that statement, all right? So let me, let me tell you something that I've heard for two decades in Woodward, Oklahoma, over and over again, that is absolutely not true, okay? So I, I've heard over and over again, well, I know that the Bible says this, but I want to do this, and I, I, I think it's okay that I do this, that I disobey the Bible, that I disobey Jesus, that I don't do what the Bible says, because I know God wants me to be happy, and this is the only way that I can be happy, okay? Do you see that monumental distortion there? That, that, that really took a, a principle that, that God wants you to be joyful, that he commands you to be joyful, and it takes it in absolutely the wrong way, okay? Uh, a couple reasons why that is in the wrong way, Okay? First of all, sin, which is anytime you break God's commands, anytime you don't do what God is telling you, anytime you disobey him, okay, anytime you don't believe him, that is sin. And the Bible is very clear, sin leads to ultimate misery, all right? If you stay in your sins, sin leads to hell, okay, an eternal separation from God, all right? And, and so you cannot, you cannot say, well, God wants me to be happy, so I'm going to disobey him, all right? That, that, that's, that's foolhardy. Uh, that, that's like this, uh, my, my son, Asher, I think you guys know my, my boy, Asher, he's five. And, and one of the things about Asher is he loves a campfire. Okay. He loves a campfire. We've had a campfire several times this week, even, uh, just marshmallowing it, s'moring it up, nice summer evenings. And, and he told me the other day, we were kind of finishing up with a campfire and, uh, he was super excited about everything that we'd done in the fire. And, and he says this to me, he says, dad, you know, can, can I have my own matches? You know, can I have my own matches? And, and I, can, I can see his wheels turning. Like he's thinking, this is so much fun. This makes me so happy to burn things. If dad would just give me my own matches and maybe a pile of kindling, you know, hey, nobody'd have to watch me. Nobody'd have to babysit me. You know, no, I, I wouldn't, you know, I would be very happy and all would go well. That's what he's thinking, okay? Now, what do I know that Asher does not know? What I know that he does not know is that he might be happy for a little while, but he would end up burned, okay? 
He would end up crispy. He would end up harmed. He would end up injured. And, and there's, a, there's a possibility that all of Cheyenne Drive would be a scorched piece of earth, okay? If, if I allowed him to do what he wants with that, okay? God knows the same thing about us, right? That, that's why that doesn't work is because sin always leads to misery, okay? So when, when the Bible is commanding joy, it is not commanding joy as in, hey, just do whatever you want to, to be happy. It's not, it's not that at all, okay? Now, Notice it says rejoice always, okay? Rejoice always. We're really good at what I would call periodic joy, okay? So, so most of us, just by nature, we're kind of born this way. We're good at being joyful when something good happens to us. When we get a bonus at work. I'll tell you when we're really good at joy. We are good at joy when people make a big deal of us, you know? When, when, when they make us feel loved and they make us feel significant and they make us feel important and they make us feel, you know, like, wow, we're really hitting it. I'll tell you another, another time we're really good at joy. We're really good at joy when we succeed at what we set our mind to, all right? So, so whenever we aim at something and, man, it all comes together and we accomplish our goals and everyone commends us, we, we tend to be super good at joy during that season, all right? We, we tend to be good at joy when we get what we want, okay? We're good at periodic joy, but that's not what the Bible is commanding here. What the Bible is commanding here is to rejoice always, all right? So the Bible is commanding a type of joy that is not dependent upon Things going well, people making much of you, um, you succeeding at your goals, you know, things going as you have planned, okay? This is something different than that. This is the type of joy that survives always, okay? Now, by the way, please don't think that what the Bible is saying here is that Christians just need to put on a happy face, and no matter what sad, tragic, terrible things happens, we just say some Christian phrase and be like, well, it's the Lord's will, or well, you know, I'm still going to rejoice, or whatever. That, that is not what the Bible is saying. In fact, I, I agree with uh, Tim Keller in his book, um, uh, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering, that Christians ought to be the best grievers, and we ought to be the best rejoicers. We, we ought to be the best at those, okay? Listen, God is not expecting you to rejoice in abortion, or cancer, or death, or divorce, or car accidents, or broken relationships or injustice or drug addiction or sex trafficking or starvation or uh, uh, sin. He's not expecting you to rejoice in sin or idolatry or lies. We should not rejoice in those things. God does not rejoice in those things. This passage does not mean that you should do that. You, You should actually grieve over those things, all right? Christians should be good grievers. Why? Because we love much. All right? If we're following our God, if we're following the New Testament, that we ought to learn to, to grieve because we care about people. We, we care about the unborn. We care about the orphan. We care about the oppressed. We care about the foreigner. We care about the refugee. We care about the widow. We care about the poor. We care about the disadvantaged. We care about people. And so when those things happen, we're, we're grieved. Like, like we should be good grievers because we love much. And what the Bible is saying is, is that those two things can happen at the same time. Okay? So in other words, you can, be, you can be grieving and you can have this, this layer of rejoicing happening at the same time. Let me show you that in the scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10, Paul has this little beautiful phrase. He says, he's describing himself, and he says, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. All right, you hear that? As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. In other words, Paul is saying that he has experienced often, I think, this, this being sad over a thing, grieving over a thing, but yet also rejoicing at the same time. I think Paul did it. 
Paul is always rejoicing in all of his writings, and yet in Romans, here's, here's the way he describes himself in Romans. In Romans chapter 9, he says, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, and it's over lost people. He says, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers. So, so Paul has this, what he calls unceasing anguish for the hardness of heart of the people of Israel because they won't obey the gospel. And at the same time, in all of his writings, he's writing telling us he's rejoicing, okay? We know that Jesus, happiest guy that has ever walked the face of the earth. And yet at the tomb of Lazarus, this kind of blows me away. By the way, if you want to memorize two verses today in the service, all right, you got rejoice always. You already have that one, okay? John eleven thirty five says, Jesus wept, all right? So there, there's your two that you can go out of here and say, I memorized two verses today. But in John eleven thirty five, Jesus is at the tomb of his friend Lazarus, and he knows, if you read the narrative, he knows he's going to raise him from the dead. He knows Lazarus is coming back to life. And yet in John eleven thirty five, it says, it doesn't say he got a little teared up. It doesn't say he got choked up. He got around Mary and Martha and the grievers, and he got a little choked up. No, it says he wept. He grieved over sin, even though he knew that he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. So what you see in all those, all those instances, you, have, you see this sorrow over, over, over things that are, 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 ought to be grieved over, and you see this constant rejoicing. Now, how can those two, how can those two exist in the, at the same time? Okay. Now, here's my answer to that. I want, I want to build you a framework of how I think our minds work, Okay. how I think our hearts work. I'm admitting to you, I cannot show you somewhere in the Bible where this framework is, okay? What I'm telling you is, it's helpful to me. If it's helpful to you, take it. If it's not, build your own, okay? However you want to understand it. The scriptures that I'm going to give you are absolutely right. The framework is just the way that I think of it, okay? Here's the way I would think of it. Everybody has several levels, okay, that you live in, all right? The first one is the top level, okay? Here's some characteristics about the top level. It ebbs and flows very quickly, okay? In other words, it's up, it's down, it's shallow, it's fickle. Um, You're happy, you're sad, you're mad, you're angry, you're bitter, you're elated, okay? Up and down, up and down, constantly fickle, shallow. That's that top layer, okay? Now, Now, here's what determines the top layer. The top layer is determined by what news you saw when you turned on the television. Okay? The top layer is, is determined by whether or not you slept well or not last night, right? Like a lot of people, their top layer crashes if they were up all night with the baby or if they just couldn't go to bed or they didn't sleep well. Your top layer is, is whether or not you've been exercising recently. Your top layer is whether or not your schedule is super busy. Your top layer is whether or not the kids were pleasant at breakfast, right? You woke up, you're living in that top layer. In that top layer is things like, you know, little Johnny, little Susie. They're at the breakfast table. They look up from their Captain Crunch and they say, Mom, you're a great mom. You know, you just, you're a great provider. You care for us. You love us. I want you to know that I'm going to be blessed all of my life because of how sweet that you are. Okay? That's that top layer. All right? Now, Here's the deal. The next morning, what happens? The next morning, mom looks over and little Johnny's picking boogers and putting them in the Captain Crunch, you know, and she's like, this kid is not gonna make it. Like, he cannot survive as an adult, right? right? Like, like you just crashed, right? That's how fickle that top layer is. Like, it's up, it's down, it's tragedy, it's good things, it's bad things, there's money in the bank, there's not money in the bank, the people are kind, people are cruel. In fact, here's what I would say about the top layer. Sometimes you don't even see it rightly, 
Like, like sometimes you're looking at something that you think is tragedy, it's actually the best thing to happen to your family. Or you're, you're looking at something that you think is the best thing to happen to your family, it's actually gonna end up being tragedy. Like you don't, even, you don't even see it rightly, okay? Most people live most of their life and their joy, their sadness, their happiness, their gladness is all simply dependent upon that top layer. Now, I would say to you, again, this is just the way that Jason Dirks thinks of this, I would say there's a middle layer, Okay? I can't show it to you in the Bible. I think there's a middle layer. I would say the middle layer is similar things, but they don't ebb and flow very much, but they're also not eternal, okay? They don't ebb and flow, they're not eternal, and they also don't belong to everybody, okay? So everybody's top layer is different. Everybody's middle layer is also different. So let me tell you some things in my middle layer. Uh, Some things in my middle layer is my mom and dad this August will celebrate their 49th wedding anniversary, okay? And, And here's the great thing about my mom and dad. I have never once in my entire life wondered about their relationship. Like I never called thinking, I wonder if they're okay. I wonder if they're, I mean, I just have not. They are that kind of couple that they're just rock solid, you know? Like they're they're good to each other. They're happy with each other. They always have been. They get along great. They work well together. Um, They laugh together. Like that's, that's a great, so in my middle layer, you see that thing doesn't ebb and flow. That thing's pretty been pretty consistent, but it's also not eternal. I, I would say that Em and I's marriage, uh, 29 years this August, it's in that middle level, okay? Now, because I'm in that marriage, I'm not in my mom and dad's, I'm in mine. I know it's had a little more up and downs, right? But for the most part, it's been consistent. I don't wonder whether Em's gonna be there when, when, when I get home. I don't wonder whether she loves our family. Like, it's a pretty consistent thing. Another thing in my middle layer, I have been pretty well healthy for the last 48 years, okay? I've not had to deal with blindness. I've not had to deal with paralysis. I've not had to deal with uh, cancer or leukemia. Um, Some of you have, right? Some of you in that middle layer, you've been rocked. You've had some huge mountains to overcome in that layer, okay? Another thing in my middle layer, for all of my 48 years of life, I've experienced freedom, Okay? I've never once, in, in 23 years of pastoring this church, I've never once looked out and saw a policeman and wondered if he was going to come in here and put us all in jail for worshiping Jesus. Okay? I've never wondered that. I just, it's not it's the furthest thing from my mind. I can't imagine it even happening. I've never had to deal with starvation. I've never had to deal with exposure. Right? All of those things are in my middle layer, but here's the deal. Okay? Here's the deal. Even those things are not able to produce the kind of joy that Jesus is talking about here. Right? So a lot of times we know it's not in that top layer, but we kind of think, hey, that stuff in the middle layer, that's where I'm gonna get my joy. Here's what I'm telling you. That stuff will not enable you to rejoice always. You cannot obey this command by living in either one of those layers, okay? Now, we're glad when they work, work out. We're glad when they're good, but they're not gonna enable you to do what Paul is telling you to do in rejoicing always. So what is in this third layer, okay? I would say there's this third layer. There's this bedrock layer. There's this deep layer. What's in it? Here's what's in it. Your core beliefs about the gospel, okay? This, this is the bedrock, all right? This is the deep stuff. This is, this is your confidence in what God is going to do, what he has done for you, what he's going to do for you in the gospel, all right? This is, char- this is God's character. This is who he is. This is what he's done. This is what he will do. And the beautiful thing about this bottom layer, every born-again believer has the same bottom layer, Okay? You may not have the same top, you don't have the same top layer as anybody in this room, okay? Your morning went different than my morning, right? 
You felt different when you got up than I felt. I don't have a stomach ache now. Maybe you do, right? Like our top layers are all different. Our middle layers. Maybe you don't have parents that have been together for 49 years. Maybe you haven't had a marriage that, that's been like mine. Maybe you've, maybe you've not had health, you've had health troubles or not had health, whatever. You, that's all different. This bottom layer though, every born again believer has all the things that I'm gonna talk about in this bottom layer, okay? So what's in, what's in this bottom layer of good, okay? Number one, there is joy in God because of who he is, all right? This is really beautiful. Joy in God because of who he is. All right, one of my favorite verses is Psalm 1611. And in Psalm 1611, it says this. It says, you make known to me the path of life, and in your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. All right, that, that's been one of the most, I, I can tell you the time and place that I was standing outside that fellowship hall door in the church parking lot when I read that verse one morning and I'd read it a hundred times before. I read it one morning and it rung the bell, man. You know what happened? I broke through, I was drilling. I was drilling down through those layers and man, I broke through into that third layer and it hit me that God is a source of infinite joy. All right, that God is the source of infinite to be with Him. All right, to be with Him, and that someday that would absolutely be true for me. That someday I would be in His presence, and in that moment, it's coming for me. If you're a believer, it's coming for you. You will have fullness of joy and pleasure. I love the word pleasure pleasures forevermore. Like that is a coming reality for my life. In Psalm uh, chapter 5, verse 11, here's another one. It says, but all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them that those who love your name may exalt in you. You see what that's saying? It's saying that God is a refuge. He's like a castle. He's like a, he's like a fortress, all right? And he, he's your protection. And so it's saying when all that top layer falls apart, when all that middle layer falls apart, you drill down deep and you get into that bottom layer and you are safe there. You've got a place of security. You got a place of refuge. You got a place where God is going to protect you and take care of you and carry you all the way, all right? Psalm 90, verse 14. This is a verse that I love. Psalm 90, 14 says, satisfy us in the morning. Satisfy us. We all want that, but how do we usually seek it? We seek it for kids eating Captain Crunch and being thankful, right? We, we seek it for Okay, some of you, you don't like Captain Crunch. Well, we've uh, eaten eggs and tofu and uh, uh, seaweed, all right? So, and, and being happy, all right? All right? That's not the way you seek it, right? Satisfy us in the morning with what? Kids that behave, a stomach that doesn't hurt, a head that doesn't hurt, a body that's healthy. Okay, all those things are fickle. They're ebb and flow. You're not gonna have them forever. Satisfy us in the morning with what? Your steadfast love. It's a, ver- it's, a, it's a phrase that occurs over and over in the Old Testament. It means basically this. God is relentlessly pursuing you. God loves you in this way. And that he has made a covenant with, with, with Abraham, with Jesus. He is pursuing you in the gospel. Once he has you, he's gonna keep you. He's, you're forever his. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. And look at the next phrase that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days, all right? So what's in that third layer? In that third layer, in that bedrock, is who God is. It's who he is, it's, it's his character, it's, 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 it's what he's done, okay? It's his display of glory, all right? What else is in there? Number two, there is joy in what God is accomplishing 
through the gospel in and for us, okay? So in that bottom layer, there's not only who God is, but there's also what God has done for you as a believer, what he's done for you, all right? What has he done for you? Look at Matthew 5, 12. There's a whole bunch of verses that we could put in here. Uh, I pared them down, but I, I like this one because of how it destroys the top layer and then digs you into the bottom, all right? Matthew 5, 11 says this, blessed are you when others revile you. See, that's a bad day for me. If I start out my day getting cussed out, I don't know how you handle that. Maybe you handle it great. Maybe it throws your soul. I don't know. Most people, it's not good. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you. Man, they're, they're, they're hurting you. They're hurting your family and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely. Man, I don't know about you guys. That's tough. People are lying about you. They're, 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 they're telling untruths about you. Okay, look at the next verse. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Do you see, do you see what Jesus just did there? He said, I, I know that top layer, there's gonna be days when they destroy that. But will you just drill down, drill down into that bottom layer and here's the promise for you. The promise for you is that there, there, there's a heaven coming. There's a reward coming. That all the sufferings of this life, God is actually producing good through those for you in eternity in heaven. In Luke 10, 20, I like this one because it kind of speaks to the church, kind of speaks to pastors even. In Luke 10, 20, the, Jesus has sent out his 72 guys and they've gone out and they've, they've healed people. They, they've cast out demons and they come back and you can imagine the celebration, right? They're all around the fire. They're telling the stories of how people have been delivered by healing and by, by casting out demons. And, and Jesus, Jesus rebukes them a little bit here. He says in verse 20, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. Now, why not, Jesus? You know why? Because that's, in that, that's, that's actually not in the bottom layer. It's not always going to work out that way. Sometimes God's going to send you out and you're going to be Jeremiah. And, and, and nobody's going to listen to you. <laughs> and nobody's going to be changed. And you're going to preach the gospel for the glory of God, but, but you're not going to see any results. And so Jesus says, don't rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That's in the bottom layer. You see, that's unchangeable. You can't take that away. Nobody can steal that from you. Your name's in heaven. You're in the kingdom of God. Here's a big one, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. I'm, I'm going to read several verses here because this dings the bell numerous times, so I'm just going to read uh, about five or six verses, okay? So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, okay, listen up. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now look at verse four. Here's what you got. Here, this is in that bottom layer. To an inheritance, this is for you, believer, to an inheritance that is imperishable. It, it cannot perish. It is undefiled. It cannot be spoiled. It cannot be ruined and is unfading. It never gets less, okay? So, so the inheritance that God has for you, it only gets better. It only gets more crisp. It only gets more vivid. It only gets more satisfying for millions upon millions of years, kept in heaven for you. Verse five, who by God's power being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. Did you hear what he just said? 
See, he's going back and forth through the levels. He's saying, all right, you have this inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, unfading. It's there in that bottom level. Tap into that. That is yours. You should rejoice in that. Even though in this top level, there's going to be times you're going to experience trials. There's going to be times where your top level just gets smashed. It just gets wiped clean. Verse 7. So the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found a result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus. And then listen to this verse. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. I know that's a mouthful, but joy inexpressible filled with glory. See, what's he doing? He's tapping into that bottom level. We don't have time to read this one, but James chapter 1. Verses two through four tells us that we can count it all joy when we fall into various trials. Why? Because, again, God is doing things that will, that will enrich that bottom level, that will enrich your experience of glory forever and ever. Right? John 16, 24, Jesus said, Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you'll receive that your joy may be full. Jesus is saying, I want to do things for you, eternal things, significant things, glorious things. I want to do them for you, so you should ask. And when I do them, your joy will be full. Folks, this is what you gotta do. If you're gonna rejoice always, you gotta tap into this stuff. You gotta dig down into this layer or you'll you'll never be consistent in joy. By the way, Jesus did this in his earthly life. Hebrews chapter 12, verse two. He's talking about the cross. And in Hebrews 12, 2, it says, Look, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, seated at the right hand of the throne of God. All right? On the day of the cross, what did Jesus have? Man, he had despising, he had reviling, he had rejecting, he had, he had things that we can't even imagine done to him, okay? But what, is that, what does that verse right there say? For the joy that was set, he tapped down into this mother load of joy in this third level that was his. And it, it was that joy that drove him to the cross. All right, so what's in this third layer? Who God is? who God is for you, what God has done, what, what he's promised, what he's accomplished in the gospel through you, for you. And then thirdly, this one may be a little unexpected to you, but I think there is joy in us being together, okay? And, and let me explain that, all right? So like 2 Timothy 1.4 says, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. You, you know what, you know what filled, joy, filled Paul with joy? It, it wasn't that, hey, I can't wait to see you because you're really interesting and you're funny, and you're great at pool, and you like to mountain bike, and you, you make really good uh, biscuits. That wasn't it. All that stuff might have been true, but that wasn't it. You know, you know what made Paul rejoice in people? When, when he saw what Jesus was doing in them, right? Like, like so when, when Paul sees all this third layer stuff, when he sees that being lived out in other people, that brings him great joy. And, and man, this is kind of a sermon on its own, but but actually, what the Bible says is that it, it actually, there's an opportunity for us to increase that joy in others. 2 Corinthians one twenty four says this, Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy. In Philippians, when Paul's thinking about whether he's going to live or die, and whether it's better to go to heaven with Jesus or whether it's better to stay and work, he says in Philippians 1.25, he says, Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Man, it, 
it's awesome to me that, that when I, my top layer just got destroyed, you know, bad things, I'm sick, relationships broken, I don't feel good. It's awesome to me that Bonnie Castor can call me and, and, and she, can, she can help me plumb into the depths. She can help me dig down deep into that third layer and she can remind me of, of what I have in Christ. Like we can do that for each other, can't we? That's what Paul is talking about there. And, 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 as, and as I grab onto that, you know, as, as, as Bonnie's encouraging me, hey, Jason, man, trust G. Here's what he's done for you. You're redeemed. You're forgiven. You're adopted. You, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. God is, God is taking all this bad, and, and as you persevere in it, he's using it for your eternal good. As Bonnie encourages me with that, and as I grab onto it, and I'm like, man, you're right, Bonnie. You're right. I, I, I can. Man, I'm, I'm plugging that into my heart and my attitude. As that happens to me, you know what happens to Bonnie? She rejoices, right? Like, like there's this mutual joy that comes about as we plumb those depths into that third layer and we bring up that great truth. Now, one of the things I need to say about my layer illustration is, I think Paul would say this, hey, pastor, don't forget to tell him this is all of the Holy Spirit, Okay. Like, this is all the work of the Holy Spirit. So Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, right? Peace, patience, right? But the, what's the second one? Joy. Okay, so, so this is all being produced through the Holy Spirit. As, as we lean on the Holy Spirit, as we yield to the Holy Spirit, as we're indwelt and filled by the Holy Spirit, okay? All these things become true, okay? Now, I think the, the crowning beauty of the third layer, see, I saved the best for last, okay? The crowning beauty of that third layer, right? So you got the top layer, ebb and flow, up and down, breakfast, lunch, friends, disappointments, successes, all that, up and down. Got the middle layer, some more stable things in your life, but still, they're not eternal. They're not the third layer. Then you got this third layer full of who God is, what he's done for you, what he's doing in others, what others through the Holy Spirit are doing in you, okay? The crowning achievement, the crowning blessing of that third layer is that God himself is eternally joyful, okay? Where, where does all this joy, that, that's, that when we tap into this, these truths down here, and the joy comes up into our lives, where, where'd all that, who put that joy in there? You know where that came from? It's God, okay? God is eternally joyful, right? It, it all bubbles up from him. If you're on Facebook, I don't know if you guys know I'm an internet pastor now, I, uh, I've been trying to put on a little snidbit every, every week, uh, just a little devotional deal. My one I picked this week was on the prodigal son. And man, I, I love everything about that parable. But, well, the thing that just, a bunch of things. The thing that's pertinent to this that thrills my soul is here's this kid basically dishonors his father in every way. I don't want to be with you. I just wish you'd die. I wish you'd croak so that I could get my inheritance why don't you just give it to me now so that I can get as far away from you as possible? And that's exactly what he does. And, and, and runs away to a faraway land, squandered his dad's inheritance, you know, finds himself coveting pig food, comes to his senses, comes back, practicing his father, I don't expect to be a son. Would you just make me the bottom guy, the guy that cleans out the horse stable, the guy that, that cleans the manure, the guy that just make me, make me the bottom guy. That's all I'm asking. And his dad sees him and he runs to him. He runs to him. 
And, and he runs to him, and before the son can even get it all out, he scoops him up. He calls for the best ring to put on his son's finger and the best robe to put on his back. And he says, kill the fatted calf and throw the best party, and we are going to celebrate. You know what the Bible's teaching us? It's teaching us about God. Like, that's our God. See, a lot of you don't think God is that way. What you think of when you think of God is somebody who's ready to scold you, somebody who's ready to get on you, somebody who's ready to, you know, put you down because you've not measured up. And let me tell you, that's right, you haven't measured up. And let me tell you, God is against your sin. Your sin leads to your own misery, everybody's ministry and the misery and the dishonoring of God. So that's true. But that is not who God fundamentally is. God fundamentally is a, a rejoicing God. He's a God who rejoices in the work of Jesus Christ. All that stuff in that third layer, God is full of joy in all of that. In John 15, 11, he says this. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. That's beautiful. That my joy may be, I want my joy in you. I want your joy to be full. That's what Jesus said. There's this passage in Nehemiah. Let me give you a little context in Nehemiah, okay? So, so God puts the people of Israel in the promised land. Woohoo! right? Yay. And then they blow it, right? And God sends prophets, and he, and he sends his word. You need to repent. You need to repent. They repent a little bit and then blow it more. They repent a little bit and then blow it more. And then pretty soon they just start blowing it. Blow it. Ruin it. Terrible, terrible sin. Idolatry. Terrible. Until finally, after, hundred, after centuries of this, God says, okay, enough. I'm going to have to send you into exile. And God wipes out Israel. He wipes them out. He sends them to Babylon. He sends them to Assyria. He sends them all over. And for 70 years, they're, they're in Persia, they're, they're in exile, right? And then after 70 years, what does God do? God says, okay, now I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to do another miracle. And God begins to bring the Israelites back. And, and as, they brought, as they come back from all those nations, and as they settle in their cities, and their cities are rubble, their walls are broken down, the, the temple is destroyed. And, and, and as they sit in the rubble, in Nehemiah, they open up the word of God, and they begin to read publicly the word of God. And as they read it, you know what happens? Verse 9 of, uh, uh, I'm sorry, verse, uh, yeah, verse 9 of Nehemiah 8, it says, for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Why'd they weep? They wept because they realized this is us. Have you ever done that? Have you ever said in your pile of mess, you know, that you've made of your life, and, and, and you hear the word of God and you realize, man, I'm here because I didn't trust Jesus. I'm here because I disobeyed. I'm here because I rebelled. And, and, and so they're weeping and, and, and as the word of God is being read. And, and then this happens. Verse 10 of Nehemiah 8. Then he said to them, go your way. And this is Nehemiah. Go your way. Eat the fat. Drink the sweet wine. Send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. All right, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but you know what Nehemiah is saying? He's saying, you're right. You are living in brokenness. It is your own sin that brought you here. But my friends, rejoice. Why? Because God is rejoicing over everything in that third layer. And it's all still true. His promises are still true. His salvation is still true. His hand is still outstretched. He still rejoices in his people.
And that's beautiful. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17 says this. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. What's, what's God rejoicing over? You know what he's rejoicing over? I don't, I don't think he's looking down and saying, man, Jason, you look really nice today. I'm, re, I'm rejoicing over you. I don't think he's looking down and saying, man, Jason, you, you really knocked it out of the park in your Christian life. I, I, I think what God is rejoicing over He's rejoicing over the work of his son, Jesus Christ, on our behalf in that third layer. Everything in that layer. All the eternity and and glory that you and I are going to spend together. The forgiveness that we receive. The redemption, the changed hearts, the Holy Spirit inside of us. The sanctified lives. All of that through Christ. Jesus is rejoicing. God is rejoicing in that. He's rejoicing in his son. You know, God speaks from heaven numerous times in the Bible. But the two that I was thinking of in the New Testament were Jesus' baptism and Jesus' transfiguration. Do you remember what he said in both of those? He said the same thing. God speaks from heaven. He says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. God is happy with Jesus. Man, that, that excites me, guys. Because there's times in this top layer, I feel like a big failure. There's times in this middle layer, I feel like a big failure. It's so good to plumb down deep into that third level and say, you know what? In Christ, I'm joined to Jesus. I'm joined to his perfect life, to his resurrection, to his death on the cross for me. I'm joined to Christ, and God is pleased. All right, you wanna, you wanna see somebody do this? So, so top layer, middle layer, bottom layer, if you're gonna rejoice always, you, you can't depend on the top layer, you can't depend on the bottom layer, middle layer, you gotta go clear down to that third layer. You wanna, you wanna see somebody do that? I, I think you do. So, so Habakkuk is, is an example of this, all right? Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17. Habakkuk is doing just this, okay? He says this in verse 17. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, no herd in the stalls. Hear what he's saying? He's saying everything just got destroyed in my life. He's saying there's, there's no figs, there's no fruit, there's no, there's no olives, there's no, there's no wheat, there's no barley, there's no corn, there's no cattle, there's no sheep, there's no herds, there's nothing, okay? Habakkuk's life just got cleaned out. Verse 16, or I'm sorry, 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. He's, he's doing that. What's he saying? He's saying, man, everything in my life just got wiped clean. There is nothing to rejoice in in the top layer, in the middle layer. But he says, I'm I'm digging down. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. In verse 19, God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like a deer's. He makes me tread on high places. What's he saying there? He's saying, man, I'm rejoicing in the Lord, and that joy is going to give me strength. That joy is going to enable me to walk on on treacherous places and to to soar to new heights. That's what joy does in the life of a believer. Now, I want you to see that this is a command, okay? These, These things in this bottom layer, you didn't put them there. Jesus did it. He accomplished them, okay? They are yours in Christ, all right? But yet, still, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 is a command. 
Rejoice always, all right? So it's, it's asking you to do something. What is it asking you to do? Well, there's, there's an action. There's a rejoicing action, and it's an action that you need to do always, all right? Now, one of the things I, I need you to understand about the Christian life is that in order to be sanctified, there are things you're going to have to do over and over and over and over and over again, okay? So, so sanctification is not a, uh, hey, there's a one thing I'm going to do, and then I'm going to be like Jesus, all right? It's actually, there's a thing I'm going to do at 9 a.m., and at 9.01, I'm going to do it again. And at 9.03, I'm going to do it again. And at 9.07, I'm going to do it again. All right? And so rejoice always is one of those things. In fact, when Paul talks about it in Philippians 4, he even says it twice, I think, just to emphasize this. Paul says in Philippians 4, 4, rejoice always. Okay? He says, rejoice in the Lord. And then he says, again, I will say it, rejoice. All right? Two times. Um, I, I was looking for, for verses in the Bible. Uh, the most I could find, this, this one here might be a four. I don't know if you count it as four, but I was looking for how many times does the Bible tell people to be joyful in one verse, okay? And I, and I think Psalm 68, I think it qualifies as a, as a four time, all right? Psalm 68, verse three says this, the righteous shall be glad, okay? They shall exult before God, okay? They shall be jubilant, I'm counting that as three, with joy. That may just be one. But anyway, uh, I think I could find a four if I looked long enough. But basically, what I'm telling you is there's a bunch of places in the Bible where it says you're going to have to rejoice over and over and over again. I know. Why do we have to do this over and over and over again? First of all, that's just the way the Christian life works. So in First Peter chapter 1, Peter says this, uh, not about joy. He just says it about the Christian life. He says, Second um, Peter 1. I was in First Peter. He says, therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it's right as long as I'm in this body to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon as the Lord Jesus makes it clear to me. So he says, I will make every effort after my departure that you may be able at any time to recall these things. Basically, Peter says, I know you know them. I'm going to tell them to you again. You need to do this again. All right, that's that's part of what rejoice always is, is you're going to have to do this over and over and over again. You're going to have to remember what's in that third layer. Tim Keller said an interesting thing about remember. So every time I hear the word remember, I will probably think of what he said, okay? He said, said, think about the word remember, all right? So it's kind of got two parts, re and member, all right? What's a member? Member is like the way the Bible uses it. It's like your finger, your hand, your arm, right? What happens if you get dismembered, right? If you dismember your hand, what happens? It's off, right? It's unplugged from your body. It's not attached anymore. That's not a good thing, okay? And, and, and so what does it mean to remember? Well, remember is almost like to re-attach, re-plug in, all right? So if you, think about, if you think about that third layer, what happens to us? Well, as we go along with life, this, this top layer, things go bad, they go wrong, this middle layer, they go bad, they go wrong, and pretty soon we get unplugged. Our, our attitude, our, our actions, our mood, it gets unplugged from the third layer. So what do you do when you remember? Well, you replug it in, okay? You, you, you replug in the truths that we just talked about, who God is, what he has done, what he's done for you, what's coming for you who he is in his own character. You replug that into your mood, your attitude, your identity, your confidence, your worldview. You, you basically remember. This is the way that we rejoice, guys. 
Rejoice always. Now listen, this is not optional, okay? Uh, I've had Christians tell me in the past, hey, I'm grumpy and that's just who I am. And, and I agree. I agree with what, uh, that statement. That, that is who they are. That is who they are in their own sinful flesh, okay? That is not who God intended you to be. God intended you to be a rejoicing people. God intended you to be a people that do not live in that top layer. You don't live in that middle layer. You're a people that dig down deep into that bottom layer full of great truths, and you reconnect your life into that layer, okay? And it's not optional because of this. Because the, one of the ways that you glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, one of the ways that you glorify God is through your own joyful celebration of who he is and what he's done. You know, one of the things I've found is that joy is one of the chief ways that we show value. Joy is one of the chief ways that we, that we show somebody they're important. What, why do you have a birthday party? When you have a birthday party, have you ever been to a birthday party where it was a surprise party, and uh, y'all got ready, and the person came in, and um, they opened the door, and then everybody ignored them. Have you ever been to one of those? You know, like everybody just like they came in, and everybody kind of turned their back, walked around, talked among themselves, ate dinner, and you know, it it, it takes away, it takes away from the whole thing, right? Uh, one of the ways that we show value is is by by being happy in something, okay. I'm convinced this is why a lot of people get a dog, okay? Um, a lot of people get a dog because, well, let me, just, let me just say this, all right? Let's say I've been in India for 10 days, all right? And, and I come home and I come in the door, all right? You know what makes me feel honored and loved? When my family's happy to see me, you know? When I walk in and, and my wife says, well, it's about time. The trash hasn't been taken out since you left, you know? And there's a stack of dishes in the, in the sink. You know, I, I hope you're ready to get to work, okay? Um, I will gladly get the trash and get to work, but it sure doesn't, it sure doesn't, I don't feel honored, right? You know why a lot of people get dogs? Because dogs have this great ability to make you feel loved, right? Like when you come home, you know, what are they? They're, they're happy to see you. They're wagging. They're acting like you are the best thing ever, Okay. That's why a lot of people like them. It's because they don't have any other people in that in their life. Like, you know? So it's like, hey, I need something that tells me they're happy to see me. What I'm telling you is joy says something. It says something to God. And, and if you're a Christian that you profess to be a Christian, but your whole life, you're not happy in Jesus. John Piper said something that I wrote in the back of my Bible. It's actually, sometimes preachers say something that's, they, they're pushing the lines a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And, and so you got to be careful with it. I think this is one of those statements. But it was good enough that I wrote it in my Bible. He said this. He says, you go to hell if you don't find happiness in Jesus. It's pushing the lines there, isn't it? But I think what he's saying is, is all that stuff in the bottom level there, all that, that redemption, forgiveness, adoption, you know, glory, Character of God, if, if all of that in that bottom level, if you can't find joy in that, I don't know that you believe it. So this morning, I would, I would call you to believe it. I had a lady in the first service, the 830 service. After, after the service got done, she said, I need, I need to be born again. I need Jesus. Maybe that's right where you're at this morning. You're like, I, I want that third level. I, I want everything in that.
Well, let me tell you, God will joyfully give it if you'll come and repent and put your faith in him. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for being a joyful God. I thank you, God, that um, there is so much to rejoice in you. God, that you're faithful, that you're steadfast in your love, that you're a covenant keeper, that you have a plan that is beyond our imagination, that we can't get our, our minds around the length and height and depth and breadth of your love for us. Father, we, re- we rejoice in who you are and what you've done and what you will do. And God, I pray that you would draw men and women to yourself. Draw them to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen.